This is Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Ball Review and Houston Round Ball Review Radio with another one-on-none episode. Most of this is going to talk, touch on NTA and COVID-19 pandemic and how um, it seems like more and more school presidents are announcing plans, hopes, aspirations to uh, open campus in the fall and have students on campus, either entirely on campus, which seems like a pipe, pipe dream, have online classes or a hybrid of both online classes as well as students on campus. Folks, you know, if you're listening, you know that um, enrollment is a big financial incentive for a lot of uh, colleges and universities. So getting stu- students on campus, getting students enrolled, that money is important to presidents and chancellors, etc. But the NCAA announced a few... Um, more specifics and details about what it would take to have sports, collegiate sports return in the fall. Some info on it, here we go. Once COVID-19 infection rates diminish for at least two weeks, re-socialization of society and sport may be possible. Importantly, there will not be a single day of re-emerging into society as normal. Rather, re-socialization must be rolled out in a stepwise manner that helps ensure sustained low infection spread coupled with the ability to rapidly diagnose and isolate new cases. Keep in mind that upward spikes in infection spread may cause resocialization efforts to halt or even retreat until infection spikes lower again. This point coming up is real key. Collegiate sports differ from pro sports because all collegiate athletes are first and foremost students. This info is courtesy of NCA.org. So you know where they're coming from here in that mentality. Athletes are athletes. They're athlete students in my opinion, but you get to just where the NCA is trying to sell you on. Resocialization of collegiate sport must be grounded in resocialization of college campuses. As with society at large, such resocialization must be measured, nimble, and based on sound science. In all instances, College athletics must operate with approval of school leadership, and the school must be operating in accordance with local and state public officials regarding a return to campus, return to practice, and return to competition. In the end, school and government leadership determine who can participate in, assist with, and watch student-athlete practices and competition. That is all key factors right there. And... It's one of the big issues. I think pro sports will return before college sports for, for one very simple reason is who would, on the collegiate level would be, who would assume liability if an athlete student contracts COVID-19 and their parents or the student, him or herself, decides to sue the coaches, the school, the university, et cetera. Who's going to assume that responsibility and that liability? That's going to be a key factor, I think, before school presidents and or chancellors, chancellors decide to have students back on campus in the fall. And if I have students on campus, then how can those presidents at the same time decide we're gonna have athletes participate in the sports and compete in sports to get that money? They still might do that, but how are they gonna swing it to the public? NCAA, who, who knows, but you know, strange things have happened. But there must be a plan in place at the university college level for re-socialization of student-athletes within athletics. 
in keeping with the federal guidelines, athletics should practice the following. All athlete students, athletics health care providers, coaches, and athletics personnel should practice good hygiene. They should stay home if they feel sick. Guidance noted above for university employees should be in place within athletics. So everything I've said before must be true for the employees as well. There must be adequate personal protective equipment, PPE for athletics healthcare providers, and there must be sanitizers to manage infection control in all shared athletic space. There must be the ability to assess immunity to COVID-19 at a regional and local level, which could include immunity at the college campus, plus a more focused assessment of herd immunity for athletics teams. There must be access to reliable, rapid diagnostic testing on any individual who is suspected of having COVID-19 symptoms. Also, there must be in place a local surveillance system so that newly identified cases can be identified promptly and isolated and their close contacts must be managed as well. There also must be clearly identified and transparent risk analyses in place. Such risk analyses consider issues such as economics, education, restoration of society, and medical risk of sport participation, including COVID-19 infection and possible death. Here are the three phases. Phase one, in accordance with the federal guidelines, re-socialization of sport for phase one assumes the following. Gating criteria have been satisfied for a minimum of 14 days. Vulnerable student athletes, athletics healthcare providers, coaches, and athletics personnel should continue to shelter in place. Vulnerable populations include individuals with serious underlying health conditions, such as high blood pressure, chronic lung disease, diabetes, obesity, and asthma, and those whose immune system is compromised, such as by chemotherapy. Those living in dorms and other residences where vulnerable individuals reside should be aware that by returning to work or other environments where distancing is not practical, they could carry the virus back home and appropriate isolating precautions should be taken. Physical distancing should continue. Gatherings of more than 10 people should be avoided unless precautionary measures of physical distancing and sanitization are in place. Gyms and common areas where student athletes and staff are likely to, con to congregate and interact should remain closed unless strict distancing and sanitation protocols can be implemented. Virtual meetings should be encouraged whenever possible and feasible. Non-essential travel should be minim minimized and Centers for Disease Control and Prevention Guidelines regarding isolation after travel should be implemented. That's just phase one. Phase two, in accordance with the federal guidelines, if phase one has been implemented successfully with no evidence of a rebound and gating criteria have been satisfied for a minimum of 14 days since the implementation of phase one, here's phase two. Vulnerable individuals should continue to shelter in place Awareness and proper isolating practices related to vulnerable individuals in residences should continue. Physical distancing should continue. Gatherings of more than 50 people should be avoided unless precautionary measures of physical distancing and sanitization are in place. Gyms and common areas where student athletes and staff are likely to congregate and interact should, should remain closed 
or appropriate distancing and sanitation protocol should be implemented. Virtual meetings should continue to be encouraged whenever possible and feasible. And non-essential travel may resume. That's all for phase two, assuming everything in phase one has occurred. Now lastly, and definitely not least, phase three. In accordance with the federal guidelines, if phase two has been implemented successfully with no evidence of a rebound and getting criteria have been satisfied for a minimum of 14 days since the implementation of phase two, we can begin phase three, which starts vulnerable student athletes, athletics healthcare providers, coaches and athletics personnel can resume in-person interactions, but should practice physical distancing, minimizing exposure to settings where such distancing is not practical. Gyms and common areas where student athletes and staff are likely to congregate and interact can reopen if appropriate sanitation protocols are implemented. But even low risk populations should consider minimizing time spent in crowded environments. Unrestricted staffing may resume. The transition to a, rela to a relaxation of these principles can occur when COVID-19 can be managed in a manner like less virulent influenza strains. COVID-19 has essentially shut down society because it is highly contagious and has an unacceptably high death rate. More common strains of influenza do not close society because society has learned to adapt to and develop acceptable management strategies for influenza. For COVID-19, future phases are dependent on the successful development of widely available treatment, including prophylactic immunotherapy, coupled with widespread effective vaccination. All three of those phases must take place, must be completed, must be implemented in order for colleges, students to be back on campus. That's all. That's all. That's a lot, folks. That's a hell of a lot, and that's expensive. Who's going to pay for all that sanit sanitation, the sanitizing of all the equipment? Who's going to pay for all the, the testing? Who's going to pay for the personnel and the thermometers and all the other things? Someone's going to pay for it because I still believe that college campuses will be opened and college athletics will resume. May not be August, may be September, October, maybe December, January, but they're going to get that money with, with uh, early tests, early positive results from testing. Medications, I'm trying to say medications, are showing signs of being effective to negate the effectiveness of COVID-19 in, in some patients. This is just May 1st. I think as time passes more and more and improved testing medications will be implemented, developed, created, and then medicines will be taken and passed and handed out to everyone who needs it. And then hopefully at some point soon, a vaccine soon, nine, 12 months, 18 months, a vaccine for all of us will be available for testing. We all have to get the shot and we can all deal with COVID-19 will be a distant, distant memory. And we'll just learn to deal with it as we have developed a herd immunity or have the vaccine and we can begin a new life, life with COVID-19 because of the herd immunity 
and because we have the vaccine. All those things are down the line, but I think schools have begun laying the foundation, laying the groundwork for returning for students to enroll and return on to campuses in the fall, fall slash winter. They do that. College athletics is around the corner. Just a question of when. But it's going to be a huge continuation of a huge financial impact on everyone associated with college athletics and college uh, education because there will be many students who will decide not to return to their previous college and decide to enroll in, at their hometown. They're not going to travel, not going to go out of state, or they're going to try to enroll and take online courses. A lot of different things are going to, this is a fluid situation. But that is, in a nutshell, the NCAA viewpoint and how to handle and how they're going to deal with the implementation of the phases to have employees and students on campus in the fall. And then you have those people on campus and then you can have athletics on campus as well. The NBA is um, still trying to figure out what to do best. The NBA announced they have postponed the NBA draft lottery, which was scheduled for May 19th, been postponed. No date has been announced. They also postponed the NBA draft combine which was scheduled for May 21st through 24th. Both those events have been postponed, not canceled. So they're going to NBA for as long, they're going to hold off as long as possible and not cancel the 2019-2020 season. They will continue to push it, push it back, push dates further and further back until whatever end date is in Adam Silver's mind and the Board of Governors, unless that date is, re- unless that date is reached, they're going to continue pushing things back as far as possible based on medications based on um, cities that they can have the NBA in, a bu- NBA in a bubble. I think it's going to end up being in Orlando, Florida at Disney World um, because ESPN has ties there. This was ri- written and mentioned in by on Yahoo Sports a few weeks ago. Someone suggested this, and I think Disney World will be this, the destination chosen by the NBA to resume close out the handful of games to end the regular season and then build up to the playoffs. A lot of tie-ins there. ESPN, ABC, Disney World, all tied in under the, under the mouse. So that umbrella, facilities, hotels, courts, everything is right there. They can do a lot of things. And of course, Orlando is in, is in Florida. You know, the state of Florida has a very amenable governor who wants to return to business and open up the economy as quickly as possible. Governor's already declared wrestling as an essential business. So if wrestling is essential, then NBA basketball should not be an arm twisting for that governor to deem deem basketball and the NBA essential. So I think that will ultimately be where the NBA will resume the 2019-2020 season, regular season, playoffs, crown a champion, and then start the 2020-2021 season in December and go from there. Those are my opinions on that. For more info on all this, all these takes, visit HoustonRoundBarReview.com. While you're there, sign up to the Disney Bundle via the links posted on my website. You get Disney+, Plus, ESPN+, Plus, and Hulu. Save your bundle. You save 25% when you get all three. May 4th, may the 4th be with you. 
The Mandalorian documentary will be available May 4th on Disney Plus. You can sign up. Part of that package saves 25%. Bones of Law 3. Via the links posted on HoustonRoundBallReview.com. Follow me on Twitter at T-H-E-H-R Review. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, Houston Roundball Review. Follow me on Instagram, Houston Roundball Review. And as you listen to this, whether on as part of a podcast, in the podcast format, in the one-on-none podcast that are now available on Apple Podcasts, or if you're listening on the Houston Roundball Review Radio. I'm branching out, doing things, trying to spread my wings a little bit more. I got my mentees as part of this channel, Cody Davis and Jackson Gatlin. You'll be hearing more from them on Houston Roundball Review Radio. Tune in, listen, listen to, look for Locked on Texans podcast, as well as Cody Cody's Davis's Believe in the Rockets. Cody's on here twice. He's got Locked on Texans. He's part of that podcast, as well as Believe in the Rockets podcast, while Jackson Gatlin has his Locked on Texans podcast. All of that is available on Houston Roundball Review Radio. So you can see the links to, posted to, on the homepage of HoustonRoundBallReview.com for how to, get, how to reach Houston Roundball Review Radio. Thank you for your time. Take care.